The views, opinions, and advice expressed in this podcast are solely those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and positions of Patterson Media or the sponsors of this program. Breathe out. Wellness is biological processes, socially isolated, physically isolated, vitamin D deficiency, yoga prescriptions. I was happier. I was healthier. Welcome to Choosing Wellness, your one-stop shop for practical advice about how to attain better physical and mental well-being so that instead of just surviving, you're thriving. Choosing Wellness is powered by Patterson Media. I'm Linda Freeman. In this series, we'll share a health journey and explore the trends and talk to the experts that will help you live your best life. And we'll have fun doing it. In this episode, you'll learn about personal biology and food, a mom's struggle during a difficult time, the healing of yoga therapy, really big stretch in here, how to find nice when you get home, and why we need vitamin D. Come join the journey of choosing wellness. Health Tags Social media, it's part of our daily life. And let's face it, there's a lot of noise out there. We use hashtags to help find content related to specific topics. So we've created Health Tag. Like hashtags, we explore what's trending in the world of wellness. Nutritionist Mark Metry, a certified nutritional coach, named LinkedIn Top 10 Voices in North America, a best-selling author, and two times TEDx Talks keynote speaker. Wow! Now Mark is all about helping you take control of your brain, increase your focus and energy, and help you reduce stress. All sounds pretty good. Now we've all been there. Eating a bag of chips while standing at the pantry deciding if we should eat a bag of chips. Now Mark, is that our biology taking control? How can we make conscious decisions with all those daily life pressures? Yeah, it's a great question. When you talk about making conscious decisions, what does that even mean? It really goes back to your consciousness, your sense of self and different biological processes that happen in our body, that is literally what creates consciousness. And so when you, for example, talk about, oh, how do you make the right decisions? Or when you get stressed, you overeat or you eat junk food or whatever it is. I always go back to the biological side. That is, you will not make the right decisions if your biology is in a certain way. So what do you mean by a person's biology and food? What's happening is your body's trying to figure out what to do in the environment that you're in. So for example, when someone is stressed out, a lot of the times people aim for carbohydrates. And that's because carbohydrates, they help to regulate the cortisol stress mechanism in your body. Stress eating, like we hear about that a lot. And so often when we're stressed out and tired, the food cravings that we get, they're just often high in carbs and sugar. But the issue is if you're only eating carbohydrates or if you're eating unhealthy carbohydrates like chocolates and candies and things like that, 
that's going to give you a moment of relief, <sighs> but it's going to actually increase the biological level of stress in your body after. <clears throat> when I started on my journey in 2016, when I was overweight and I was depressed and I had insomnia and I had all these stomach problems, I started to learn this perspective of you have to look at the biology. If you take care of your biology, just like the same way if you're taking care of a cat or a dog, if you're taking care of an organism, that'll put you in the best position. To put it simply, people need to better understand how food affects their bodies and how to use food to fuel their bodies in a healthy way. So let's talk about fuel for the body, Mark, because often when our energy levels drop... We all tend to look for that quick fix or that jolt, like coffee. I like coffee. I'm a fan of coffee. But at the same time, coffee doesn't give you energy. Say what? Coffee blocks a neurotransmitter in your brain that detects whether you're tired or not. So coffee doesn't actually give you energy. The only thing that can give you energy is energy. An energy unit is a calorie. Literally, the only way that human beings can get energy is through food. If food is the only thing that can give us energy, and we want to feed our biology in a healthy way, what is it that you recommend? I'm a big fan of just trying to eat like a whole foods diet. You have to make the decision, and you have to prioritize yourself because you have to realize the more energy and fuel that you can give to yourself, the better your body is going to be at handling stress. There's so much new research being done on various types of food and health benefits. So can we talk for a moment about mushrooms? They seem to be the superfood of the year and a growing trend for healing the body. There's an entire set of something called functional mushrooms. So they have specific properties to them. One of these mushrooms that's very well studied, and there's been hundreds of studies on it, is called lion's mane mushroom. And they've primarily used this to increase brain health. And they've actually done studies where people who had diseases like Alzheimer's and dementia and brain aging diseases, before they sort of were in the disease, taking this mushroom, it helps slow down the rates and make their brains younger. It also helps to deal with stress. Now, it wouldn't be a good idea to just go into the woods and start eating mushrooms. So what do you suggest, Mark? It's probably best through like supplement form. And inside of this protein powder, they have literally taken six different mushrooms that have different functions. So I mentioned one, lion's mane, that helps your brain. There's another one called turkey tail mushroom. Turkey tail mushroom, it actually helps repair your digestive system and your gut microbiome. There's another mushroom called cordyceps. Cordyceps, there's a lot of professional athletes right now that are taking cordyceps because what they found is that taking it actually increases the amount of oxygen that is supplied to each cell. Thanks, Mark. For centuries, Ayurvedic and Chinese medicine have used mushrooms to support the immune system and the nervous system to reduce inflammation, support brain health, and increase energy. Research is still being done in the area of biology and food. There's a growing trend in nutrition health to look at diet and the effects the food you eat has on your body and mind. More specifically, the powerful transformation that can occur when one addresses proper nutrition for the brain. To share in the discussion and show us how you hack your biology, tag us using hashtag healthtag. Being real. Numara Obeid's world was turned upside down when COVID hit. 
With two kids under two and a working mom in a demanding job, well, life was a bit crazy. This is Numera's story, and this is Being Real. I guess the pandemic was declared a pandemic and isolation started in the mid of March. My husband and I, even though bubbles were allowed, we completely socially isolated. We didn't see anybody at all. It affected us mentally a lot because there was almost a post-traumatic stress disorder from our house and being stuck in that apartment with COVID and the stress of our marriage and as parents that we recently ended up moving because just felt like we needed a fresh start, which I think really helped us. As a working mom with a very demanding job, when the pandemic hit, I was suddenly stuck at home, suddenly working from home, completely socially isolated, physically isolated, and also having my son at home. My son has a history of having chest infections, severe ones that cause him to end up being admitted to the hospital multiple times. I'm so sorry if you can hear my baby crying in the back. And he was a very, very social kid and suddenly taking away his friends from daycare and his teachers whom he loved and being stuck at home in our little apartment was a lot with both parents who are working parents trying to figure out our work from home. And there was a lot of guilt constantly. I felt like I couldn't do well at work. And I also felt like I was failing consistently as a mother because I kept getting very stressed out, feeling guilty all around. There wasn't a lot of support to just say, okay, you know what, I'm going to take a break and take a leave and focus on my child. We completely socially isolated. We didn't see anybody at all. And then come August, my mother-in-law was diagnosed with cancer. So in the middle of all those risks, we ended up flying out as a family to care for her internationally. And taking international flights at that time was terrible. We were already struggling with working from home and a child at home. And now we added that extra dimension of being with family that's unwell and caregiving for them. We traveled to Dubai, which is where my mother-in-law lives, and accommodating the time difference of work from home. We were working overnight, so as a partner, we developed bad communication habits and ended up in a long time of therapy as a couple as well as individual therapy to try to resolve some of those bad communication and bad household habits that we had developed. Of course, seeking therapy comes from a place of privilege, I recognize, because there's not a lot of support out there for people post-COVID mental health disorders that people have actually developed because it's expensive. It is really expensive to get couples counseling and individual counseling as well. Coming back now, post-pandemic, my son, when we started sending him back to daycare and then now he just started kindergarten, it's really difficult to try to now be like, well, why are you shy to go to the new class? I think there's that extra step of remembering that in a lifespan of his five years, he just is turning five. Two years of the pandemic in isolation is a lot. That's 40% of his life. So understanding the mental struggles that he's coming from and then feeling guilty about it because a lot of things that he really used to enjoy before pandemic, he's too old for now. So I think there's an overwhelming guilt that as a mom that I feel and I wish there was so much more that I could have done for him. 
um, yeah. I'm always feeling like I'm having a perpetual anxiety attack for like the last two years. That just doesn't end. I did for a long time feel like chronic fatigue. I would just not want to get out of bed. I would keep wondering if is my whole body hurting because something is happening. And I felt like I was 24-7 in this rut of pure depression because I was seeing other people deal with this so differently. It was a challenge. COVID was horrible. I would never relive that situation again if I could in my lifetime. But there were a lot of positives that came out of it because the family bonding that we got with my son being home and the milestones that we saw him develop, we would probably never have been able to do without COVID. We got to see him from the moment he woke up till the moment he slept and all the hugs and the tickles and the cuddles that we got, I think it really reinforced us as a family nucleus. He is in daycare for six hours or seven hours and then weekends are filled with social commitments or other errands like groceries or all those. I think this almost forced us to spend time with each other in a very, very rip off the bandaid kind of way. I think the, those bonds that we developed really reinforced us as a family, which I think would never have happened without COVID. So somewhat thankful for that time. <laughs> Thank you for being real, Namera, and letting us into your world by sharing your struggles and a journey that so many faced through the pandemic and still today. How to Choose Wellness Lisa Dumas is a longtime yoga therapist specializing in anxiety relief. After conquering disordered anxiety and panic through the many gifts of yoga almost 20 years ago, Lisa now shares practical skills and calming practices to help others soothe their anxious minds in her Warrior to Warrior yoga therapy program. She also does workshops and has a podcast of the same name. Lisa, welcome to Choosing Wellness. Oh, thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. I thought it'd be a great idea to start off first with just the definition of stress so that people can really understand what that is, what it means. Well, simply the way that I might define it would be that stress is our brain and our body's response to a real or perceived threat. And depending on who you are and the life you've lived and the circumstances that you find yourself in, that stress can manifest itself in many, many ways. And it may be surprising to some people that stress is responsible for simply feeling really irritable or easily angered. It can manifest in constantly ruminating thoughts and distraction, having a hard time concentrating. Stress can make us feel depressed and sometimes profoundly so, really numb. We struggle to find motivation, maybe even struggle to get out of bed. We can be challenged by sleeplessness, substance abuse, or even anxiety or panic attacks. And that's how it manifested for me, eventually into a really scary panic attack that ended up with me heading to the emergency room because when you experience something like that and you haven't before, it's hard to believe that 
something really dangerous isn't happening to you because there's so many symptoms when the fight or flight aspect of the nervous system is so dysregulated, like a beating heart that is just beating so quickly and perspiration and trembling and feeling lightheaded that even if there's moments in your life where you feel less resilient to stress or you feel that others can handle situations more than you can, yeah, stress, anxiety, panic attack, this does not mean you've done anything wrong. This does not mean that you are bad or broken. I say to my clients and my loved ones all the time, you know, you're so much more than anxiety. And it can also be helpful to start to see these symptoms and these physical sensations as almost like a messenger, just inviting you to perhaps view yourself with a lot more compassion. Because a lot of people who are less resilient to stress are very sensitive. And I don't mean that in a negative way. We're just sensitive to the world around us and to the people in that world. And, and some of us need to, to learn to use that. Such great messaging there on so many levels, not only cultivating that compassion for ourselves, but being aware and understanding the people around us as well and being open to seeing that they may be struggling and to not be so quick to judge. Mm-hmm. And for those of us who may be parents or work closely with somebody who feels a little bit more combustible <laughs> that, that can be easily irritated. In a lot of cases, that can be a sign of somebody dealing with anxiety or stress. Now, that does not mean that we allow somebody to treat us badly. Boundaries are very important. But yes, when we consider that we are all struggling with something, it becomes a lot less easy to judge others because we never know the battle that somebody is fighting in their own brain. It's so true. And we're hearing a lot too now, people like, oh, are you really stressed? Are you really anxious? This is just life. And I listen to that sometimes and I just think, no, like we do have to understand what is okay for you and what you can deal with as an individual isn't necessarily okay in someone else's world. Like they might be overcome with that anxiety in a situation that you think, oh, that's easy to deal with. And I think that's sometimes what we really forget when we have that human to human interaction that just because I think it's okay, doesn't mean that the person next to me can manage it in the same way. We're all so different. And I've come across this in my practice as well, because I know what aspects of movement and breath and practices can help some people, but then depending on the level of stress that somebody is experiencing, which by the way, stress is sometimes an incredibly appropriate response. Also, sometimes we can really harness our stress to perform in our lives in a certain way that we want to in order to fulfill our intentions. But sometimes, and again, depending on somebody's constitution and history and lifestyle, time of life, stress can really take somebody out. And well-meaning loved ones can say, hey, how about just get out for a walk? Move around a little bit. Take a few deep breaths. You just need to calm down. It's not so bad. Oh, there's so much to be grateful for. In some cases, nothing seems to work. And that's when I would hope that people would understand that it's a strength to reach out and ask for help. 
but I also understand feeling really ashamed and embarrassed. I completely admit that when I was having chronic panic attacks, almost nobody in my life knew that because I was very embarrassed. So when we're holding all of that, when we're holding the truth of what's in our minds or what we're struggling with behind closed doors, it can make it a lot bigger too. So this is why this conversation about mental health is so important. We still have a long way to go to normalize what's really happening with somebody when they're feeling depressed or super anxious or what a panic attack really feels like and looks like and how it affects our well-being. It's such a breath of fresh air right now in the sense that at least it's being talked about. It's being acknowledged where it was sort of buried for so many years. So at least that door is opening. It still needs to open a lot further, but it is opening. When people think of yoga, they often just think of yoga poses, like your downward dog that comes to mind, I think, for everyone when they hear yoga. But let's talk a little bit and get people to understand what yoga therapy is. Well, there is differences between a yoga therapist and a yoga teacher. I never thought that I would be a yoga educator by any stretch of the imagination years ago, but it was what happened in yoga classes that really helped me to conquer disordered anxiety and panic and get to the other side of that. And so I spent a lot of years unwinding that and figuring out why it helped so much. So aspects of yoga that are helpful are that movement, first of all, can be medicinal for so many people. For a lot of people, just saying, take a deep breath doesn't work. And in fact, for some people that are very stressed or anxious, trying to focus on their breath creates more inner anxiety. So getting somebody to move and get into their body and get out of their head, oftentimes will just immediately regulate breath. And then that's a message to our body. So when our breath becomes regulated, you know, our body is suddenly feeling safe because we would not be breathing in a long, slow, regulated way if there was really something to be threatened by and be afraid of. So once we find that breath, then we're able to relax. And then in a yoga class, there's so much to focus on. And ideally, this is not, you know, a super challenging yoga class. You know, when you are a yoga teacher, you're learning a lot, but a yoga therapist learns for years more just about the body and the brain. And we also work with people one-on-one -on -one because there is not one size fits all. I'm a huge proponent of being in a room and, and moving as a group with other humans. That can be really healing for some people, but not everything that is offered is going to be great for you. And even though you might be encouraged to listen to your body, some of us, especially if we've been really anxious, we're dissociated from our body. Body. Our body feels like a really fearful place to live in. So when you're working one-on-one -on -one with somebody as a yoga therapist or a physical therapist, you're also taking in who is in front of you and that particular constitution. And then when it comes to anxiety relief as a yoga therapist, I can tell how it's presenting in their mind and how it's presenting in their body and then offer them the protocols and yoga prescriptions really and micro practices that will be helpful to them. And then they'll try that and we'll have an ongoing conversation to see what's working for them. But 
Yes, there's so many elements of yoga that are incredibly helpful. Probably most importantly, when the mind is forced to really focus on the here and now, that's a healing place because in stress and anxiety, our mind is skipping ahead, worrying about the future, ruminating about the past. It's very rarely right here, right now. And for most of us, we're blessed enough that if we're right here, right now, just feeling our feet on the ground, you know, feeling the sensations of our hands, feeling the breath move into the nose, feeling the expansion of the breath in our body. If we're right here, right now, then it's usually okay right here, right now. And just that piece right there that you took us through can ground and calm and make you feel better in a very short period of time that practical side of incorporating some of these stress reduction exercises right into your daily life. So you did it for us there, but is there anything else you can leave people with? Because I love that. I mean, I'll listen to that, you know, just to calm myself if I need to. It's beautiful, Lisa. But is there anything else that you can give people listening that can just help them in a moment find that groundedness? Mm -hmm. And what I'll say about that is, especially if the act of feeling your feet on the ground or feeling your hands connection to some sort of texture of fabric or skin or your chair or the ground, if in that moment there is a sense of well-being or a stillness, even if it's for a moment, you know, we remember that. So it's not like we have to have an expectation for ourselves that as soon as we find practices that work for us, we're no longer going to feel stressed. It was very frustrating for me to get to the other side of disordered anxiety and still feel very nervous and fearful ahead of certain situations. And what I recognized is, you know, these stressful thoughts, these critical thoughts, fearful thinking, that might always be there. But over time, especially when we've learned to ground ourselves, when we've learned to center ourselves, when we've learned to, as I like to say, kind of reunite with a part of us that isn't afraid, we prove to ourselves over and over again that we're stronger than we think we are. So it's learning to have a kinder inner dialogue with that fearful voice and being the soothing mechanism that maybe we didn't get when we needed it and so we can give it to ourselves now but some practical things that we can do just throughout the day because you certainly do not have to go to a 75 minute yoga class in order to receive some relief and it's also powerful to know that these practices that you do they don't come from someplace else they are something that you can do for yourself so simply yes feeling your feet on the ground, allowing yourself to become present with your senses, feeling air on your skin, fabric and texture on skin, moving in a way that's enjoyable, even if it's a stretch, even if it's moving the joints of your body, if you are able to get outside and go for a walk, putting on a favorite song that can really take us out of critical thinking, singing along to that song if we like that, taking a breath once we've moved, calling a friend, having a bath, having a massage if we can, playing with a pet. 
So really anything that takes us out of our mind and gets us into our body and allows us to feel safe. If we have somebody in our life with whom we feel safe, generating an image of that person can sometimes create that sense of well-being. And then in the moments where you have been able to ground yourself, found a little bit of calm, feel that. Let yourself notice that. And if you can find that, then the stress that you are experiencing isn't going to swallow you up because you can come back to yourself. Lisa, thank you. You're more than welcome. And for those of you listening, Lisa has her Warrior to Warrior yoga therapy program. She has workshops and a podcast of the same name. Check her out. Life Unlocked. Vitamin D is vital to our health. Worldwide, an estimated 1 billion people don't get enough vitamin D. And 97% of Canadians are vitamin D deficient at some point in the year. Well, that's according to the University of Calgary Research. Now, the Vitamin D Society references hundreds of studies now linking vitamin D deficiency with significantly higher rates of some forms of cancer, as well as heart disease, osteoporosis, multiple sclerosis, and many other conditions and diseases. Vitamin D receptors are in almost every single cell, if not every single cell of your entire body. And because vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin, it penetrates the membrane and goes right to the center of the cell, the nucleus. Okay, so it has huge effects over that cell. And in reality though, vitamin D is not really a vitamin, it's a hormone. And it's been extensively studied. There's over 64,000 studies or reviews on vitamin D. Now, vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin and has long been known to help the body absorb and retain calcium and phosphorus, which are both critical for building bone. Vitamin D can be found in some of the foods we eat, like tuna and salmon, and in foods fortified with vitamin D, like some dairy products and orange juice. But the best way to get your vitamin D is a daily dose of sunshine. Think about how important vitamin D must be to your body if you can convert sun through your skin and make your own vitamin D from the cholesterol lining in your tissue. I mean, you don't need to eat anything to get vitamin D. So how much do you need, you ask? Well, nobody really knows how much vitamin D humans require. Each body is unique and processes vitamin D from UV or from food or supplements differently. The Canadian Cancer Society now recommends 1,000 international units per day for all Canadians. Now, many vitamin D researchers believe that isn't enough. However, there are potential health concerns if you get too much. So consult with your doctor and you can always get your levels tested. Food for thought? A very easy way to add vitamin D into your daily diet is through orange juice and dairy products such as yogurt and milk. So adding a delicious smoothie made with these ingredients can be a great way to start your day and increase your intake. Life Unlimited with Stephanie Staples. Well, I'm super excited because I'm now going to introduce you to a rewired nurse who's now a motivational speaker on a mission to help people still have nice left when they get home from being nice all day. 
I'm talking about Stephanie Staples and your life unlimited. Now, Stephanie's going to be a regular part of Choosing Wellness. So let's start there. Steph, I really want people to understand your background and how you got into motivational speaking. Okay, well, how much time do we have? Here's the short version. So I was a nurse. I went into nursing because I like people. I wanted to help people. I had a horrible burnout situation. I had three young kids and I just decided, well, I can't live my life like this. I need to do something different. So I kind of fell down that rabbit hole of personal development, personal growth, and I wanted to create a me that I was proud of, a me that I wanted to hang around with, a me that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. I began taking everything I could in the personal development world. And people started to notice, my friends started to notice that I was changing. Things were different. I was happier. I was healthier. My relationships were better. And people were asking, how are you doing this? And right about that time, you know, those moments in your life that you can remember exactly where you were. I was lying in my bed. I was reading a Canadian living magazine and it was about coaching. And I'd never heard of this profession before. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a profession where you can help people make their lives better and get paid. So I decided that this is what I was going to do. And I had a big party and I invited all my girlfriends. I told them I had a big announcement and they all thought I was pregnant, but I said, I'm going to quit nursing and I'm going to become a life coach. And it was completely silent in the room. And then finally, one of my friends spoke up and she said, Steph, we have no idea what that is, but we're sure you'll be very good at it. And I said, you watch in five years, everybody's going to know one, have one or be one. And that's exactly what happened. So I started doing personal coaching and then I started doing group coaching. Then someone asked me if I would do a seminar and I'm like, okay. So I did that. So that's it in a nutshell. But honestly, I still feel like I'm nursing. This is how I help people. I went into nursing to help people. This is how I help all nurses find their specialty. I think this is mine. That rewired nurse is what I love because you're helping people just in a different way, a different capacity. So let's talk about that a little about your life unlimited, the radio show that you're doing and how that all came to be. I felt like I had a message to share and I was trying to think how could I get this message out to more people. So I pitched this to a radio station and they were like, well, that's a good idea. And, and I'm like, really? Cause I don't know anything about radio. <laughs> should I take a course or something? And they're like, nope, just come and share what you know. And so, you know, it's been a beautiful, wonderful journey. Every time I open my mouth, it helps me too. So I feel very fortunate about that. Now let's talk about nice for a living. And that title alone, I think says an awful lot. We try to be good people and be nice to others. And we do that all day long. So let's talk about the idea of nice for a living. It came up completely by accident, and I actually wrote a song. I was in this cornfield in Minneapolis behind a hotel, and I went out there with my little ukulele to just fiddle around, and this song called Nice for Living started coming out of my body, and I remember thinking, no, 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 no. (laughs) You are not writing that song. You are going to write a happy, fun, cheery, sing-along, motivational speaker-y kind of song. And this song came out of my body, and the words were so... Basically, it says you're nice all day. And then I come home and my daughter has a tear in her eye. And she's like, you're nice to everybody else. And you don't have any nice left for me when you get home. She said, you're nice for a living. You got nothing left for me. And it was just like, holy crap. It was like a slap in the face. We have this safe space we call home. I would go out. I was a nurse. I had to be nice. That was my job. 
And so many people, if you're in retail or education, or that's what you are, you go out, you are nice for a living. If you're not nice, you don't have a job anymore. Then we go home to this safe place we call home, to these people that love us no matter what. And we feel compelled to correct everything they say. They're not happy about it, but we're not happy about it either. We're not proud of who we are. We're not happy how we're treating these people. We don't like the way we're showing up. And that goes back to that whole personal development world, right? It's like, well, I don't want to show up like this. What do I have to do so that I don't show up like this for these people that love me most, matter to me most, and care about me most? That's the big question where a lot of people are, we're so drained from being nice all day. And we tend to be mean, hard, and judgy when we come in the front door of our own home. And so how do we park that? not do that and change the way we are in our home life. So this would be like an eight-week course, but (laughs) to really simplify things, the first thing we need to do is just notice. Oh yeah, I do do that because a lot of people, they just didn't even realize. And then when you can go, oh shoot, I have been doing that and I want to do something different and you have control over that. So it might be something as simple as driving a different way home. It might be putting on a special song that's going to switch me from work mode to home mode and get me in that nice place. It might be during your day, just giving yourself those moments to do some deep breathing, to go to the bathroom when you actually have to go to the bathroom instead of thinking, I am so important, I don't have time to go to the bathroom. So all those little tiny things you can do for yourself are going to help you to be a nicer person at home. Having a good night's sleep. If you're exhausted, you have less patience, you're more cranky, you're short-tempered. Mostly it all comes back to the personal development. If I only ever had 10 seconds, this is what I would tell people. Work harder on yourself than on anything else and everything else will be better. It's not all those home people that have to change, it's you. It's how you can move from reacting to being proactive in, in the situation that you see. Well said. I mean, you're right. You have to start with you. You hear that so often that it's so important to start with you first and you need to be in a good place. Unless you are, you can't help others. You can't even be nice around other people if you're not happy with what's going on with you. But I still think it's that bit of separation. If you're generally a nice person, how do you ensure that you stay nice? I had three young kids. There's like a lot of shoes at the door. So if every time I walk in that door and the first thing I see is all those shoes and the first thing out of my mouth is, what the heck? How many times have I told you about these shoes? This is not the first interaction I want with my people when I come home. I want, I'm so glad you're here. I just need a hug. So what I'm gonna suggest here is have some sort of a plan, like a simple plan. My partner comes home and they see the shoes and they don't care, but for whatever reason, it bothers me. So here's my plan. Family, we're all allowed two shoes at the front door. For whatever reason, it drives me crazy when there's more than that. I know it might be silly, but it just drives me crazy. So I'm going to ask for your help in having only set two shoes. Everybody understand that? Yes, yes. Anybody got questions? No, no. So here's what's going to happen if there's more than two sets of shoes. I'm just going to take your shoe and I'm going to throw it down into the basement. I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to get mad. I'm just going to take your shoes and throw them downstairs. Okay. Now I get home. I get to have a little fun throwing the shoes down the stairs. Nobody's mad because they know that, well, I I left. And chances are they're going to start only keeping two pairs of shoes. This is maybe a silly example, but I'm just saying if something happens once, oh, well, if it happens twice, 
pay attention. If it happens three times, it's probably going to happen again. So come up with a plan so that it doesn't drive you crazy every time. Well, I can say we will likely see shoes now at the bottom of the stairs in my house because I love that stuff. I actually think that was a really good analogy. But now I'm a little worried that I'll find pillows along with the shoes because pillows on the bed drive my husband crazy. So he'll say, if you can do that, I can do that. The shoes, the pillows, well, we'll find a happy medium. And then if you can have a little fun with it, like how much better is that? That makes you realize not everything is that serious. Not everything needs to rock the boat as much as it does. Steph, I'm going to end with that because I think it's such a great piece for people to take away even though there's so much good content here. But it is bringing it back to the laughter. As soon as you put a smile on your face or you start to laugh about something, it brings immediate joy and then it'll help bring joy to those around you. And it can completely shift the way you're thinking. Exactly, exactly. So go pick up those shoes and pillows from your basement and carry on with your day. (laughs) Thanks so much, Steph. A real pleasure. I'm so excited that you're going to be part of Choosing Wellness on a regular basis. But before we go, do you have a last thought that you want to leave people with? The last thought is being nice for a living and being nice at home is one more way to live your life unlimited. Period. (laughs) Meditation Moment. Sound therapy uses sound, music, and special instruments that are played in therapeutic ways. The sounds, combined with deep self-reflection techniques, are used to improve health and well-being. The handpan is an instrument that looks like a Stone Age relic, but was actually invented about 20 years ago by steel pan makers and Swiss artists Felix Rohner and Sabina Scherer. They came up with this new instrument, which they christened the hang, meaning hand, in Bernese German. You're listening to the calming sounds of a handpan, played by Amir L. Sopke. It's very unique. It has a very natural sound. It's usually used for meditation and yoga purposes. There's a lot of scientific research that the frequencies coming out of the instrument are connected to the human body in a way that relaxes it. I'm honestly not really aware of the scientific explanation, but I experience this many times. Whenever I'm playing, people relax, sometimes people fall asleep, sometimes people have tears and get very emotional, and it kind of touches people in a very special way. Usually I improvise when I play, I don't plan what I'm going to play, I just start playing and something inspires me, the tune comes naturally. I started playing four years ago when I had my first one. I'm having four different instruments with different music scales. Each one has its own energy, vibe and feeling. According to an article published on Healthline.com, Sound healing therapy uses aspects of music to improve physical and emotional health and well-being. The person being treated partakes in the experience with a trained practitioner. Healing with sound is believed to date back to ancient Greece, when music was used in an attempt to cure mental disorders. More recently, research has linked music to a number of health benefits, from boosting immune function and lowering stress levels to improving 
the health of premature babies. Life is challenging, and choosing wellness in our daily lives may seem like adding to the already long to-do list. But together, we can make it easier. Next time on Choosing Wellness, we explore anxiety, discover a mineral deficiency that can improve health, and a being real story on overcoming incredible odds. I'm Linda Freeman. Let's connect again soon, as together, we take the journey of Choosing Wellness. You've been listening to Choosing Wellness, an initiative powered by Pattison Media, designed to inspire and motivate a healthy life. For more information on this program, go to pattisonmedia.com and everythinglifestyle.ca. Another Everything Podcast production. Visit everythingpodcast.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.